Should be more. I, There's more. There should right? be more. <laughs> there should always be more. Yeah. Oh God. So, uh, yeah. It's 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 fascinating. It's my new favorite show. I love it. New favorite show. Mm-hmm. You know what else is my new favorite show? What's that? Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Pixel It. And if it sounds like we're extra excited, it's because we are. We actually have not recorded in a month and a half. Yes. Um, we went on we, a little break. <laughs> we went on a little break because uh, Phil Phil Dunn got hitched. Uh, and we wanted to, oh, look at that ring. Look at that ring. And we wanted to, we built up a bank of episodes. Yep. If you couldn't tell by how out of date the what are we playing segments were. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because we noticed, we noticed. <laughs> so I'm and sure be like, oh yeah, I'm too. playing, uh, playing a game that that, and at the time it would have been new, and then it was like <laughs> six months ago or something right. like that. So yeah, Cult we banked up, we banked up a lot. What? Yeah, Cult of the Lamb. Everybody moved on from Cult of the Lamb. I know. Um, yeah, no, we we had banked up a ton of episodes over the summer just so uh, Phil could uh, we could take a little break. Um, Phil took a break. He got his, his matrimony on. It was a yeah. lovely wedding. Uh, Phil, Phil cried. I cried. It was all good. Um, it was a, it was a very cry wedding, but very uh, cry. Dan was crying. a good time. We had, fun. it was a good wedding. Uh, and while Phil was getting married and, and basking in the glow of that, I recorded a, another podcast with our friend of the show, hot cider. It's called bullet time. Go ahead and check that out. That's out now. You, you like recorded like a dozen episodes too, didn't you? We recorded, you? so there are, I recorded personally, I want to say about a dozen episodes and I'm not the only co-host. There's two other co-hosts on the show. So um, a fucking machine and, over and there. And they're, they're going to be getting their stuff recorded uh, very shortly. So yeah, if you're looking for a podcast with, you know, people like uh, er, uh, Evelyn from I Am Error or Aranok or Willow from Questing Refuge, or Jacob Geller from the YouTube Jacob channel. Jacob Geller. Jacob Geller is going to be on there. Uh, Tesnekerer is one of the uh, uh, the other co-hosts. Um, Raz Rasputin uh, was on there. It's it's a good show. A lot of show. friends and of the pod. It's fantastic. A lot of, lot of great people on that show. And uh, and Jesse Garasha, who was who has also yes. been on, he's been on the show twice, uh, our show twice. So yeah, go Hi, check Jesse. out Bullet Time. Um, but yeah, on the show today, uh, we're starting a brand new series, brand new series, brand new book, brand new book, like literally brand new as in, as of when this episode comes out, it'll still have only been out for a couple weeks. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, Like we, I don't know what's going on with us. Usually we're reading books that were written in like 1986 or something. (laughs) And now we, we, we did Halo, the Rubicon protocol, which just came out. Yeah, we we did uh, two new books, two brand new books uh, towards the end of the year here. And uh, the book that we're talking about today, the series we're starting, is Dark Souls, Mask of Vindication, written by Michael A. Stackpole, who Michael is Stackpole. a tried and true pulp sci-fi and fantasy author. He's done a whole bunch of stuff. Absolutely. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so Dark Souls, in case you guys don't know what Dark Souls is, is that I don't know how that happens. I don't know. I don't know yeah, how, yeah. I, I don't know how that not happens. sure how, how you can miss that, because Dark Souls became the most the most common comparative game for a spell there in the 2010s. 
Oh, like absolutely. it's the Dark Souls of of such and such. So Dark Souls it's a game made by From Software. Uh, it was the follow up to a game called Demon Souls. Uh, From Software has is an old old Japan, Japanese video game company. You know they've been known for things like Armored Core, uh, King's Quest. Uh, Demon Souls and the Dark Souls series is kind of like a spiritual continuation of the King's Quest games. Uh, they're most notable for King's their, Quest, not King's Quest, King's Fields. King's Fields. Okay, I was about to say what? No, no, sorry, they're not you King's Quest. King Graham in the land of From Software. <laughs> oh my King's, God, King's Fields. Um, <laughs> It's been a few months. I'm going to have to shake off some of the rust. But yeah, yeah Kingsfield. Yeah, we're WD-40ing it. A little WD-40 on that. Kingsfield right. is, um, was a first-person action RPG, uh, and Demon Souls and Dark Souls are third-person action RPGs, and they're known for their punishing difficulty. Uh, and the common refrain from gamers everywhere to just get good. Get good. Uh, my personal take, I don't I don't find those the games per- that difficult they are there's mm-hmm. they're a game that you have to- <laughs> <laughs> um it's just something that you have to kind of learn how to play like the way that the game wants you to play um there's there i mean yeah anyway that's a whole nother discussion for about this to remind everyone at home i couldn't get past the first level of bloodborne so that's true but i think bloodborne yeah. is harder than dark souls in in some regards um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, darks, dark souls, it's, it's been everywhere for over a decade now. Uh, the most recent game in the soul from soft souls born series, uh, just came out earlier this year called Elden ring, um, and massive open world game, but with all the dark souls goodies that we have come to know and love. Uh, so that's basically dark souls. Um, I mean, it's, it's there, it's out there. And this is its first ever novelization. Yeah. This is the first ever novelization. There was a graphic novel that came out in 2016 with the release of dark souls three, okay. uh, by Titan, uh, who are the same people who did the bloodborne, right. uh, graphic novels and also the assassin's creed, uh, graphic novels. <laughs> This is a company right it's, there. <laughs> God damn. Um, so, yeah, uh, Phil, why don't you tell us a little bit about who Michael A. Stackpole is? Oh, Michael A. Stackpole. We got it. Here's another uh, uh, OG in the geek pantheon. Uh, Michael Stackpole is a game designer. He is a writer. Uh, and uh, he was actually a very important figure in uh, the Satanic Panic of the 1980s. Um, he got a name for himself among many geeks as being a guy who was writing on the regular against organizations like Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons, Bad, which sounds like uh, kind of a, a, a walking punchline. And nowadays it kind of is. But in those days, people were taking it very seriously, thinking that people playing Dungeons and Dragons was uh, they were going to kill themselves and, and get lost in the steam tunnels beneath their school and all that stuff. 
uh, people like, you know, me who uh, wanted very badly to play D&D. Uh, but uh, my mother wouldn't let me because of all of the urban legends she'd heard surrounding it. <laughs> Stackpole became very well known for writing uh, a pretty on a pretty regular basis about why D and D wasn't just a, a not a bad thing, but it was a good thing, and it was it was good for you, and it was fun, and and uh, encouraged adventure and play and stuff that that growing kids need. Uh, in the meantime, he wrote a few books. Uh, yeah. You may have heard of a couple of them. Uh, he wrote, uh, he was the uh, founder of the X-Wing Rogue Squadron series. He wrote X-Wing Rogue Squadron in 1996, which led to a huge uh, spinoff of uh, Star Wars uh, 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 stories, novels mostly. Um, and uh, he wrote a lot of really important uh, battle tech books. He wrote uh, the Dragon Crown War series, um, a lot of stuff, Dark Conspiracy, Mech Warrior stuff, and a lot of uh, novelizations. Uh, one of the more recent ones, he wrote the novelization of the 2011 Conan the Barbarian movie that came out with Jason Momoa in it, which uh, I saw in the theaters and was not very good. Uh, but <laughs> it was, it was, but I will say this for that movie. It knew what it was trying to make. It was, it was not trying to be, uh, as Lord of the Rings as it could have been. I thought they were going to be leaning hard into like, um, more of the Tolkien-esque kind of aspects of it, trying sure. to grab those. No, they were like, no, we know who Robert E. Howard is. We're going to, we're going to make a big campy dumb fantasy movie and and they sure. did uh i need to watch it again i haven't seen it since uh i take conan very seriously but uh you are a you're a conan fan i or... like i like myself a sumerian what can i say <laughs> um uh, stackpole still very active today uh obviously as uh as this uh uh, uh project shows it, it kind of a very big deal uh to be asked to write the first novelization of uh, of such a, a huge and and dare i say it important with a capital i franchise yeah so you know it makes sense that they'd want to entrust it with uh, an old grognard of the uh of the the old school fantasy world yeah yeah um yeah so that's that's the game that's the person so we're gonna jump right into uh, the story and kind of work our way through it. So uh, we read the first 13 chapters for this episode and we're going to start off in chapter one. Uh, the game that the game, the book is told in a first person, first person perspective. Um, and our, our primary character is waking up from death. And this is, this is going to sound like I'm, dunking on the book this is probably the most interesting part of the book yeah is yeah. and maybe that is a dunk we'll reserve the the <laughs> that for later but it's a very interesting segment where the the this undead and that's what they're called in the in the dark souls averse is uh the the undead mm. um wakes up and he has to remember things like being able to touch things, being able to move his hand, being, he remembers, he, he isn't able to see until he remembers the concept of sight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we and get a lot of cool inner monologue stuff. A lot of really cool inner monologue stuff. And he wakes up 
and discovers that he is basically in a in a chamber uh, in a mausoleum, and there it, there appears to have been a thief at some point who broke in to rob the grave. Um, but because of the height of from which the ceiling that the thief fell down, the thief like landed and then ended up not being able to get back out of the right. of the mausoleum and dying. Um, and then uh, he he basically he continues his inner monologue. He questions the thief, the dead thief, who then wakes up and he struggles with this thief and remembers his magic and he casts a spell and blows the the head off of this this undead thief that attacks him um it's a very generic sort of magic isn't it i wanted to ask you about that yeah um it is there is some spells that are basically like your your very basic level spell and and i don't remember what they're called in dark souls um specifically but it's but they like they do a, have specific names don't they they do or? have specific names yeah the lowest the lowest level like caster spell one of the lowest level caster spells at least in elden ring and i i need to i haven't played a caster in, in dark souls in a long time it's basically like a magic missile type thing mm-hmm. where it's just like you're shooting a little pew <laughs> right right <laughs> Because he, he kind of, ref- and you will see this, at least in this first third of the book, you see it a lot where he just kind of says, it's kind of like, I used magic to destroy the enemy. I used magic to blow his head off. Uh, yeah. It's not it's like I a cast blue, a fireball. No. And it's like a blue glowy that melts things kind mm. of and does force damage, but also cooks things as we find out later, yeah. burns things. <laughs> yeah. Um, So... Not very specific on the magic. Um, uh, he basically, he's able to get out of the tomb. Uh, he looks at the, basically there is a seal on the tomb that is preventing him from leaving. He, there's like a magic in place that prevents him from leaving his his tomb. So, but he realizes he can like go down below it and get out through that. He like is able to sneak out through the, like an opening that prevents him from being caught in the magic field. Right. He goes up and he around, uh, uh, goes up and around and he sees that there's a name on the outside and it's, he assumes that this is his name and it's Theranos. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, all right, I'm Theranos. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Moving on. Let's move on. Move. Yeah. Let's remember some new stuff. Yeah. Uh, we got, we get some really neat descriptions of the land. Uh, the the desert lands that he's in, which is very evocative mm-hmm. in some points of Dark Souls where you have these. That's the thing about Dark Souls is the three games are set in a it's like post-apocalyptic fantasy. Right. Like, things are not going well <laughs> in any Dark Souls story. <laughs> things things are going pretty bad. So he is continuing through this desert and he comes across a uh, a man sitting by a fire and mm. you guessed it this is a bonfire this is the bonfire that that hollows and the undead are uh they aggregate around and they're they're attracted to just like sit down and doesn't necessarily give out warmth but it kind of comforts them mm-hmm. 
So he talks to this man who's sitting at the bonfire and the guy has been sitting there so long with his legs crossed that his legs have kind of like fused together. Yeah, I thought that was a really <laughs> cool detail. Like he'd been there for that long. And it was like, because he says, because he says, um, he said he talks a little bit about he he had had the option of going out and, you know, going out and fighting and, and seeing the world and that sort of thing. Uh, but after a while, he just didn't think it was worth it anymore. So he decided to just have himself sit down and <laughs> he's been he's, that way for like hundreds of years. He's he's in. He, it's a long sit down. And he actually uh, Theranos notices that the guy has this instinctual urge to continue to feed the fire. But there's nothing he's not feeding it anything. He's just like right. grabbing an invisible pile of sticks and throwing it in. And this guy's like on a looping animation. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it absolutely you. you, you yeah. It, we've talked about this on several episodes in the past where you have to wonder, you're like, all right, how much of this was this person just playing through the game and like writing about things they saw. And that was one of the first ones that there was a part of that was like, did he just watch? It feels an like an, watching an NPC. Did it, yeah. Did he watch an NPC just kind of loop through an animation a bunch of times? Like, that's I a fun know. idea. Let's do that. That's a fun <laughs> idea. So uh, Theranos decides to go. He is, he's being pulled in a direction. He is, there's a supernatural urge for him to just go. And he's going. And he's going, and the guy's like, well, the door's right there. Um, it, it's it's that Rick and Morty scene. We're like, well, yeah. I'm leaving. You, and you, that was always allowed. <laughs> that was always allowed. <laughs> <laughs> so Farinose leaves, and he goes down uh, a, a set of stairs, and he's like in this underground, like, it's not like a cave system. It's like a buried fortress that he's walking yeah. through. Um, and he gets killed. And it becomes Groundhog Day at this point. Yeah. So he dies and he wakes up next to the fire that he just rested at. And the guy's like, oh, you're back. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it is a pretty great moment where it's just like, hey, how'd that go? <laughs> that sucked, huh? That was terrible, right? Now you see why I've been sitting here all this time. <laughs> so he keeps doing it. And one of the things that keeps getting mentioned by Theranos is that he doesn't really notice the passage of time. So we don't actually know how long he is doing this, but he is dying over and over again to is it traps. Is it whatever? It's a, a group of soldiers down there. Um, he's dying over and over again. And eventually he gets kind of close. And finally, the, the guy at the fire is like, oh, yeah, well, this might help. And he gives him a flask. And in, in, it's never called the Estes flask. But that's what it is. It's the right. it's a it's the Estes flask, which is the thing that heals you in the games. Um, and the guys and Faridos is like, I could have used this earlier. And guys <laughs> and the and the guy at the fire is like, eh. So <laughs> it's like it's such a like Calvin's dad moment from Calvin and Hobbes, where he's, he's like, like building, suffering builds character, fucker. Building character. <laughs> <laughs> Farinos is Calvin and, and yeah. the guy at the fire is Calvin's dad. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. If you guys take away nothing from this, know that that is the perfect analogy. That's it. The <laughs> So the um, he goes. Um, yeah. So he, he goes and he he kills. It's this group called the Lost Patrol. Mm -hmm. Doesn't really matter. They're just a group of dudes uh, down there. Um, and uh, he gets down there. He's able to kill the Lost Patrol. 
and uh, he continues on and he gets into like this this like valley area um, and he uh, he goes keeps going through. He runs into a town and the town looks like it's been, you know, demolished. There's graffiti or whatever. And uh, he ends up he kills a couple of hollows and he finds a coin uh, that finds a few coins, but he finds one that looks older than all the rest. Um, and on it is the word pannier, which strikes back. It brings back like a memory to mm-hmm. him. Um, he knows something of what pannier is. Um, by the way, every time, don't worry, every time he kills a hollow, he is absorbing their soul essence. The, the soul's yeah. mechanic is built into the book. <laughs> and, I, and I think he handles it well. I think Stackpole does a good job with like, you know, he gets a little trace memory from everybody that he kills. He sees like a brief moment in their life and absorbs it. And it's not really, it shouldn't mean anything to him necessarily, because even though he doesn't remember his own uh, uh, past, but he's getting all of these memories from all these other creatures. It's kind of cool. Like, was that yeah. is that something that's baked into the mythology in Dark Souls at all, or is that new? That the the memories? No. Yeah. No, I think uh, no. It's just it's just uh, souls are a little bit different than. I feel like there is no. Uh, ha- however, Miyazaki considers the soul in Dark Souls. It's a little bit different than like the essence of a person. I think right. there's a there I think there's like a separation um between like the soul is like an animus. It's like a thing that that moves the flesh. Right. <laughs> you know. Um and in that it's power. It's not necessarily memory also. Mm. It's just the oh, power, the uh the animus that that actually moved this sack of meat that we call a body. Right. Um, so it's so, not like he's like, he's not like becoming more like them, but it's, it's, it's kind of like the old folklore of like eating an animal's heart to gain its courage or something. Sure. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you're getting contact traces of like in the game. It's, I don't, I don't think this is ever really brought up, but it is a neat little wrinkle in the book that in, in the book, it's like, Oh, you're getting some contact traces of right. who this person, the last person who touched this soul you're you're getting some trace elements of who they were it's it's um, a really interesting touch yeah yeah it is um so he continues on and there's only one way forward he yeah he, he knows where he has to go and there's only one way forward and that is down into an arena where there is a gigantic <laughs> man with a with a is it a mace? I think it's a mace. It's a mace. Yeah. It's, <laughs> this is the, I'm not, I, I'm sure people have picked up on it. I do not play souls games. I'm not any good at them. I, they bring me no joy. Uh, but I am kind of fascinated by that. I was excited to read this because the creatures and the landscapes that are in these from software games, like are fascinating to me. And even though I've never fully played one of these games through, I can say for sure, certain that this upcoming moment is like the most stereotypical souls moment in the book so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's just a big boss guy who just sits there and waits for him. He's waiting for you. It feels very similar. Uh, there is a boss in Dark Souls 3 
named Udex Gr- Udex Gundir, who is okay. basically this gigantic armored man uh, who is he's kneeling down in the center of the arena. And the first thing you do is you go up to him and there's a there's a sword in his chest and you rip the sword out of his chest and that wakes him up. Of course. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, what else? What? Uh, yeah, of course. That would wake what anybody else he gonna up. Do? Sure. Absolutely. Um, and he he fights you and he is uh, you fight him in the first like seven minutes um, of of Dark Souls three. I mean, that's probably what inspired this then. Yeah. 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 Um, so he dies a bunch to this dude. <laughs> Yeah, he he dies and he go. I love how he describes it where it's like the he's like just standing there like a statue, hands on his weapons, waiting almost politely for him to show up and start the fight again. Like, sure. it's, he's not pacing. He's not doing anything, but just waiting for the next guy to step in so he can kill him. Right. Yeah. So he gets back to the uh, he gets back to the he did light up a new bonfire nearby. He gets back there, and this time, after the last time he dies, he wakes up, and there is a a, a knight standing there uh, with his sword pointed at uh, Pharanos. He's like, you good? Do I have to kill you? <laughs> um, and uh, he, Pharanos is like, no, 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 I'm good. And he, Pharanos remembers the guy's sigil, mm-hmm. that he is a knight of the knights, knights of virtue, his name is Krotha, uh, Krotha Truth Teller. Um, good name. Where another another bas- good D&D name. A good na- D&D name. Basically, he he the virtue that he abides is the truth. Yeah. In all things, he will he can never he can never he doesn't lie. He he hates lies. And in that he also hates rumors and gossip because they are not necessarily the truth. So he doesn't play in rumors and gossip. Just lawful good paladin just he is he is a lawful good paladin that's him (laughs) easy peasy easy peasy lemon squeezy now with krotha who is also in the same spot where he's like oh i woke up and i have this vibe where i gotta go that way and pharanos is like well there's a dude in the way and krotha's like bro now there's two of us yeah Fucking game grumps like playing, playing uh, Dark Souls. <laughs> Just waiting for a the, second player to come in. And then um they they go and they fight and they they he basically jolly cooperation. That's yep. that's what it was called in 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 Dark Souls. Uh there's a character called Solaire who calls it jolly cooperation when you work <laughs> with somebody. <laughs> um they fight and they take down this this dude with the mace and they get a big old rush of soul energy and it blows their hair back, man. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's chapter four. Um, and and Krotha is like, you know, he's he's a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to call him boring, but he's a little. A little boring. He's for a, a character. He's a, he's real, a square. real. He's a real square. He's got a. Yeah. He, we got to get some darkness coming out of this dude because it's. We so do. far, he's like. Yeah. Well, it's like we've got two Nick Carraway characters, basically. You know. Oh it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We got two very vanilla, kind of 
uh, sort of characters because neither of them know what's going on. Really, they're both yeah. going. So he doesn't. So introducing him doesn't, at this point at least, bring too much to the table. Right. Yeah. So uh, chapter five, we're picking up now on chapter five, um, and they're just walking, and they have no idea how much time is passing. They're walking. Yeah. There's there's lands. They would find. They would they would kindle bonfires as they go. Uh, sometimes they would find people, but humans, the actual living people are like staying way clear of, uh, because, because they look, even though they are not hollows, they, they are just, it's like, there's two levels. There's just undead. And then there's hollows. Hollows are basically undead that have lost every, every bit of humanity that they had. Uh, and are just mindless creatures doing, you know, whatever. They're uh, un- yeah. Un- uh, undead are just, are, are very much like regular people. They're just, you know, in a corpse. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, like Mitch McConnell. It's like uh, Mitch McConnell. It's about you the, know? Yeah, think of that, you got hey, it. Hey, we're there. back, baby. Yay, we're back. you guys hey. fucking missed it. Fucking Mitch McConnell and, and all it. of his d- goddamn turtleneck piece of shit. <laughs> oh, it feels good to be back, bitch. Feels good. Feels Ugh. good. Whew. Um, so they they go. They find a, a a fortress, a tower. Basically, they see some some graffiti about a land called Trafarum, which they are putting together. Uh, that oh it's like a, it's a beautiful faraway lands yada 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 yeah um the they don't remember yet but uh Krotha is from Trafarum that's that's going to get revealed in a little bit um and they uh they get jumped by uh some goons um they, they while they're crossing a swamp area they're fighting some hollows mm-hmm. um they win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the there's fights, like, the, the most interesting don't have, they don't they, strike me as any, no, there's no stakes to the fights right now because, no. um, in a, in a, in something that is really game, good for a game, the, the, the coming back up out of the, the bonfire, it, there's like no stakes to the any of these fights so far. It's like because you know yes. they're gonna just gonna be able to try it again, right? Um, so it's kind of where we run into our first roadblock in terms of this being an adaptation. Because on one hand, like I said before, that's kind of cool. Like like being able to work that into the book in such a way. I, I liked the idea of like you know working. It's like okay, well you die and you show back up and gaining these souls and learning memories. There's something really interesting about that, that you could totally see. You're like, okay, as a book that works, but yeah, it eliminates pretty much all the fear of death. So the fights. Yeah. So, so you gotta, you can't, that's the thing is I feel like if you do not focus on the fights as a set piece, like it's more of a matter of fact thing rather than just like the 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 focus really needs to be on the like the internal struggle of 
what this shit means right rather than an external struggle of like oh we died i'm back up again and i mean in this case they don't die um uh uh Ferranos loses his foot though mm-hmm. um he blows his own goddamn foot off <laughs> because of a crocodile because, because a crocodile yeah clamps onto it and he shoots sticks his it's kind of a cool moment, but still, he he sticks the the staff his staff down into the crocodile's throat and he blasts it with with his magic um, magic. It's a the the Dark Souls uh, uh, Florida DLC. Yeah, uh, the I was Florida happy to see DLC it represented here. Yeah, it's yep. good. Um, so he he kills the crocodile, but he loses his foot along with with it and. Uh, uh, Krotha has to basically carry him the rest of the way that they're going. Um, and, uh, they, they get, um, they basically find a, a pyramid, uh, mm-hmm. this like temple structure. And, uh, we are in chapter six now. Yes. And they find a sarcophagus, uh, inside and this is kind of um so there's a puzzle that they solve here, right? Yeah. And it's I guess it's fine, but also feels like a D&D campaign like the DM was stressing for a puzzle and yeah. just needed to throw one in because it doesn't it's not like a it's not like a very interesting puzzle to watch these characters solve you know right and i i wanted to ask you about that are puzzles really a thing in dark souls or no not a big thing it's because it it felt it it made me think and maybe 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 you'll agree it made me think of uh the resident evil adaptation it was very it's very much it's closer to a resident evil puzzle than anything you would find in dark souls yeah it's such an odd choice uh but i guess i guess it was a choice to vary up things but yeah puzzles i know i don't think of puzzles when i think of dark souls so it's and this won't be the only one no so they have to basically figure out that um they have to there are these dreams kind of swirling around the sarcophagus yeah. and they have to, uh, Krotha ends up being the one to do it. He has to like step on certain squares while a dream is in a certain area. He has to like match his emotion to the dream in yeah. order to proceed further into the magic field. Um, and if he does the wrong emotion on the wrong square, Lady Dimitrescu pops out of nowhere and cuts his fucking head off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's basically it. That's um, basically it. Yeah, Heisenberg shows up right. and, and says, <laughs> "You boulder punching moron." Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, play that game again. Yeah, no, the DLC's coming out. <laughs> I know, so, or came out when this episode airs. Oh yeah, I guess it'll be know. out by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, let's cut this short. And uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, so he figures it out. There's there's like some stakes where there's a wolf, and the only stakes are inconvenience at this point. Yeah, because like. Oh, well, if I die, I got to fight all the way back here, which is like, okay. Um, which is the same as playing the game. To which be is the fair. same as playing the game, but 
the game has actually additional stakes because if you don't get back to the point at which you died, you lose all the souls that you had not already like uh, banked into your character yet. Right. So you have to do a corpse run first. You have to actually get back to where you died. So they in in the book though that's that's been completely stripped away. Now it's just you the you just have to get back to where you were. Um, right. So yeah. So it's actually even lower stakes. Than it's in even the game. lower stakes than in the game. Uh, we've reduced the stakes. Right. Um, <laughs> this is this is Dark Souls easy mode. Yeah. Um, that you've been asking for. No wonder everyone was so pissed. Ah. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, toxic fanboys. You were right. You were right all along. Uh, um, Jesus, I didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, so he solves it. He gets there, and now he has to. But now that the fields, basically that this field was healing them and healing both Krotha and Theranos, that now that it's dispelled, now they solve the puzzle. The the guy in the sarcophagus is now dying because mm-hmm. there's no air in there it was keeping him alive yeah. so they're like oh shit hey enter some stakes now they have to figure out what how to open the sarcophagus and, and i'm sure they come up with like a really elegant um thoughtful yes. solution to sure. doing that yes right he hits it with his sword he until hits it breaks <laughs> he just it's it all, and it's not even his idea. <laughs> Fucking Theranos is, like, is got to be like, hit it, hit it a bunch. Bash, like, it, bash the shit out of it. And he does. And it's just like, and it crumbles. And uh, <laughs> and it works. Like, and it works. And they're like, oh, well, now he's just like a little sleeping baby. So right. just we're going to let him sit here. his way through the bustle. <laughs> we're going to let this, this guy sit here. Um right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, okay. That was, that, that's basically the start of chapter seven where they, uh, they, they figure that out yeah. and they're like, all right, well, we have a real human now that needs food. So we got to go get some food. So they're out there. They find the, the pr- parts of the crocodile that he killed. <laughs> I, love this because it might be the most gamer moment in the entire book where it's just like I, I killed a guy a few screens back let's <laughs> let's go raid his corpse let's go raid his corpse and he finds his old foot <laughs> if I <laughs> that's right it's such a fucking like and he just discards it into the swamp it's so meta it's so weird <laughs> And they're like, well, do you think he'll like, like, how do I cook this? He goes, I wasn't, I'm pretty sure I wasn't a chef in my former life. And he goes, well, do you think he'll eat it? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know what living people like. It's, it's so bizarre. It's, oh, it's so weird. (laughs) It's so weird. And so they spill out some blood um, and it, it pulls into some, uh, some, it's like chiseled out like yeah. stuff on the ground and it spells out a name uh, as the oh, blood pools. Yes. And the name is Balerion. And they're like, huh, maybe that's this kid's name. Um, so they go in and uh, just by uh, speaking the name Balerion, it actually wakes the kid up. 
Right. And he's like, oh, yes, no, that is me. I That is I, Balerion. Um, and they, they start kind of like deducing what they know. And yeah. uh, at this point, like, okay, Balerion uh, might be uh, the son of the king, King Panier, who yeah. was from a real long time ago. Uh, eons ago from the uh, from what we can tell because it was on the oldest of the coins that um, Pharanos found right and also Pharanos also like can tell that a long time has passed based on the stars or something like that yeah like that's actually something that, that is a cool detail that I forgot yeah. to mention is that his the memory of the stars that he gets from the thief is different from the position of the stars in the sky when he looks into the night sky. And he can tell that the stars are in different positions. He says degrees by degrees. And the things that he knew as planets at one time, are some are no longer there. Some have changed colors, um, things like that. So I was like, that was that was a really neat detail. It's a really cool detail and and it could have it could have gone into anything really but it, it it's it's neat that it was used it's used kind of to tell us a little bit about Pharanos um in the uh, past who, like who he some, is yeah he's yeah. like he cuz he says to himself I clearly knew a lot about astronomy and astrology at one point like right. that was right. <laughs> he's some kind of cool tower mage kind of character and, and yeah he you or he used to be, and, right. and it's so it's a it's a clever way of getting to know him, and it's a clever way of getting to know that like a shit ton of time has passed. Right. Um, they kind of figure out that Balerion, and I wouldn't say figure out, but they're surmising that Balerion might be the bastard son. Actually, he says he's the bastard like he says son. It. That's like it's like kind of how he announces himself. But like, way. hi, I am Balerion, the bastard son of King Panier. Um, it's a random like, detail. <laughs> good good to know hi um, i'm phil keeling i'm allergic to walnuts you're like what <laughs> we just allergic? met are you no, allergic to walnuts? <laughs> i was like i was like i feel like i would have known that no 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 you look like I'm a not, walnut eater and if i and if i was i wouldn't give the internet that information that's a good point that's between us oh, wait did you just say i look like a walnut eater <laughs> I'm just what saying, you look, of, like, you look like what, a guy who enjoys walnut occasionally. What kind of Dickensian insult is that? <laughs> look at over there, those walnut eaters. These walnut eaters over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll trounce them good. <laughs> Scrooge with his, his pipe. It's like, it's like the week before Christmas. And he's like, he's like walking up and down the street and like, bah. Those walnut eaters over there. I suppose you'll be wanting Christmas off, Cratchit, you walnut eater. You walnut eater. He says, now you can't call us that anymore. It's a different time. (laughs) It's a different time. There's laws. There's laws. (laughs) Like you, you, yeah. So he throws like a walnut at his head. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like racist against the Welsh or something like that. I just. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> oh, a good old English racism right there oh, that we are the, inventing. I will be, say the best English, the is, best racism is the English racism. I is think the 19th century that. English like it like 
like Londoner racism against just like somebody who's from like 10 miles up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just racism that is just covered in chimney soot. Just absolutely. Chimney soot walnut eater. Just the best. You chimney soot bespotted walnut eater. (laughs) How dare you? Now I want walnuts. God damn. How did that happen? Um, Ugh. yeah, so <laughs> it's going in my profile, by the way. <laughs> good, good. Walnut eater. <laughs> the, w- known to eat walnuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, known to enjoy a walnut or two at the end of a long now, day. Now and then. Yeah. Uh, now and then. Strictly um, medicinal. <laughs> medicinal walnut card. <laughs> so they continue on. Um, they continue talking. Uh, basically, Belarion got there because a couple of the other Knights of Virtue put him there. Yeah. Uh, their names slowly are... slowly drugging him. <laughs> they slowly drugged him over the period of a month until he lost consciousness for over a thousand years. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that been, one before, too, Belarion. Uh, get hey, a lawyer. Belarion, been there. Um, yeah. <laughs> when I woke up, it was... <laughs> It was it was eleven fifteen when I fell asleep. <laughs> the <Stop>. year. <laughs> Call the police. Call the police. <laughs> um. So yeah, he gets he gets uh, drugged for over a month, and then he gets shoved into our sarcophagus, and there he was. Uh, and to Balerion, it was basically a day. He had been asleep for one day. To him, from his perspective, right. he's like, "Oh, I had a good night, good night's rest." And uh, Faranos and Krotha are like, "Buddy, um, <laughs> good, good, good slash bad news, good slash bad news." Um, they take him outside, and he's like, "Oh my god!" Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the lands that he once knew as like nice, you know, nice. They weren't bad. They were nice, you know, right. are now bad. These are bad lands. The yeah. Things, things. Uh, it really reminds me of there's that tweet about uh, or, or somebody wrote a, a fake opening monologue uh, to Dark Souls where it's like it's like things fucking suck and, <laughs> and, and are real fucked up. And only you, the fucked up little guy, the most fucked up little guy of them all can <laughs> Unfuck them. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Like that's basically what we're dealing with here. It's just um, multiplayer now. That's all. Yeah, it's just multiplayer. Um, so, so uh, they're they're thinking um, they believe him that he's probably the 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 kid the the kid Panier's kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and they continue on. Oh, I hear, I hear a kitty cat. Is yeah, that? that they're, they're demanding. Hold on, God damn it, fucking cat! I swear to God, this is gonna be a regular part of the show. I swear. Like, let the cat in. Let the cat in the office. All right, come on, come on. The, their cats are coming in. Here they come. Oh. Are they just standing at the door, or are they just are they coming in? We'll see. Oh, there's a kitty. Oh my gosh, there's a. Big old kitty. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Lieutenant Ellen Ripley, Jennifer Garner, Stockton Keeling. Oh my gosh. She's <laughs> she she does not want to be involved. No. <laughs> I just said open the door. That was all I wanted. 
Yep, she left. Um, yeah, she's gone. She's gone now. She's gone. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they continue on, and they they have you know they start getting some some more memories back. Uh, they kind of like basically infer based on who they found that like they're there to help his dad, like the King somehow. Right? Yeah. Like, like, like Blarion is feeling a similar pull eastward mm-hmm. that they were feeling to go get Blarion in the first place. Right. Um, which is something dark Soulsy, where usually the undead have a quest, but you know, I'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, uh, Faranos goes hunting. He blows up a couple rabbits. <laughs> yeah, he does. Good. I like they point out that like he shoots, he shoots one of them directly with his magic. And it points out he's like, now while the 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 pieces of meat that are left behind are very well cooked, uh it's it won't feed it a- feed anyone. Yeah, no one's gonna eat that. Yeah. The other one <laughs> he he hit he sh- hits the ground next to it, which causes it to fly into the air. And then yeah. brain itself on a rock. And which, then which it's is not also quite hilarious. Dead. Like, on top of everything else. Not quite dead yet. So right. Faranos has to beat it against a rock until it does die. Um, dark Souls. Dark Souls. <laughs> the Dark Souls of, of hunting. Of rabbit hunting. Yeah. Of rabbit hunting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we get into some like. Uh, stories that Balerion tells about how there were there were these wise men that always stopped by his village and mm. Krotha's like I kind of call bullshit on this as a thing that <laughs> was that should have been normal um, right <laughs> like wise men wouldn't have gone to just a random ass village um, and also there's this old man who is like uh, would come and tell stories and he would go by the name of uh Parnaeus. Parnaeus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would go by the name of Parnaeus and he would tell these stories about uh these these three baby wolves who um he told one story about a wolf who fucks over a village uh of yeah. of sheep. Uh, uh sure. Um and then he d- tells another story about a wolf with three kids. We get like two long-winded folk tales in a row. Yeah, it's, very long. It's wild. We get two. The first so one, I was like, okay, well, don't trust a wolf. All right. Right. We, sure. We knew that. Um, and then the second one is like, uh, you know, the, the wolf and his kids are real fucked up. They're real fucked up kids. And it's going to be another, it's going to be another kid that's going to uh, come in and save the day. Um, and then he winked at Valerian and Valerian never understood why that was. <laughs> yeah. So again, Blurian goes like the guy who went by Parnaeus and Krothus like, hmm, whenever the king would write poetry, he would always use the name Parnaeus. Yep. What a dink! What a coinkydink. Um, which um, I, I didn't write uh, notes for this section. Right. Uh, but if I did, I would have wrote dumb uh, <laughs> as... as it's a little dumb. It's uh, I'm sorry. This is this is this is super dumb. This whole it, section. It, it's like it's like oh, you guys, Michael sweetheart, you're trying way too hard here to to lay some get, track. We get this is this is where I started to notice just how much of 
um, our Dark Souls book was dialogue. Yeah. Like a lot pages of pages upon pages of dialogue. It's just them telling things to each other back and forth constantly. And that's how we're getting the just, bits and pieces of exposition. Just whispering little nut sweet nothings to each other. Like, right. Hey, hey, Krotha, I, I, maybe I was a servant when I was. Right. And, and Krotha's like, that's cool. I was a knight. And, and Furnace is like, yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I got it. You're wearing your armor that you died in. Right. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and I guess, I guess I respect, you know, not sitting down and just writing 50 pages of like all the lore and mythology in a row, like some fantasy authors like to do. But it, it it's, this really is where it starts. To, you, you start to see fully fledged how kind of it's getting a little clumsy. The writing it's getting, is getting. Yeah. 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 Uh, in chapter 10, they continue on their merry way. Uh, they get fucked up by some, well, Pharanos gets fucked up by some cacti. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vicious cacti. <laughs> Vicious cacti. They're like sentient cacti. They swing right. at you. Um, and then they um, they encounter a group of people called the Yatka, who are very hostile. Yes. Um, <laughs> at some point, uh, uh uh, Ferdos dies at some point and he gets he gets booted back to the last bonfire um, and he sees and when he comes back, he sees like, oh, well, Krotha and Valerian have made some progress, clearly. And they went right. into this cave area. And um, now remember this. He like he goes in through the cave and there's just hostile enemies everywhere. And yeah. he just he's just like it, he does a lot of damage. Um, right. yeah, the, the, it, the best thing about the scene happens later. Um, they, uh, so this is, this is in chapter 11, by the way, they find themselves in a chamber at the back of this cave yeah. and there's a woman kind of standing in the same glowing field, uh, that Balerion was in. And, um, at some point, Pharanos says to, Krotha, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe we can get some stuff from the people that were living in the cave. And Krotha goes, <laughs> looks in the cave and is basically like, what the fuck did you do? Yeah. And Balerian, <laughs> and because Baler Balerian killed all of them. And Balerian right. just responds, they were hostile. <laughs> right. <laughs> just like, you, I, I had to. They were jerks. There were these jerks. I had to fair kill enough, all fair of enough. them. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Farinos did the killing. Farinos did the killing. Yeah, Krotha's yeah, like, yeah. Krotha's like, what did you do? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like they were jerks. Yeah. Have so, you played one of these games? I have. <laughs> you gotta kill. You, you, you just kill the people. You don't yeah, bother. I'm not making a lot of friends here. There's, it's like one in ten that you, uh, one in a hundred people that you can talk to. So right. just <laughs> swing first, ask questions later. Yeah. Um. So the woman that they find is uh uh Philasina. Philasina, yeah. Let's go with Philasina. Philasina uh, makes she's sense. She's one of the knights, uh, and her virtue is fidelity, which is uh so if Krotha is truth, she is fidelity, and fidelity in this case means she is 
She honors the bond with people above all else, as opposed to Krotha, who honors the truth above all else. And they come into conflict. uh, They're like, they kind of used to butt heads a lot because her virtue and his virtue don't always align necessarily. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, so they figure out how to uh, wake her up by touching her with one of the stones that came from Valerian's tomb. They touch yep. her on the back of the neck. Another and, super uh, resident evilly kind of puzzle. Yeah, and she she wakes up and uh, she's there, and her only job is to like watch over Valerian, and yeah. she even's like. She she's almost like, oh, you two can go now. I got this. Right. <laughs> yeah. I relieve you of your duties. And and they're like, no, we're going to stay. Um, right. So so Balerian and uh, Philicina are humans. They are alive. Yes. And Pharanos and Krotha are undead. So now we got kind of a mixed party going on. Yeah, here. we got a mixed bag. So, um, yeah, they continue on their their merry way. Uh uh, Balerion gives uh, Pharanos a ring. Yes, to, yes. Which which Pharanos kind of like it feels familiar to him. Like he's like he's like yeah, this seems like something I'd wear. <laughs> this seems right. Yeah, yeah. This is so me. This is my aesthetic. <laughs> like, I don't I know if you off. saw my Pinterest boards, but I am all. Uh, there's Jonesy. Uh, he jumped away. Yeah, he's pacing. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. You know, rings and cowboy boots. That's how I imagine Ferdos. <laughs> absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. He's, I like he's him a, already. He's uh, a, a nearly skeletal man with a top hat and and a staff and a and cowboy boots and rings. And he's he's ready to go. It's not a reference to anything. I'm just making up an image. I was about to say, I'm like, did I miss something? What no. is that from? <laughs> You're just making your own mythology here. I'm making all. my own mythology now at I this like point. It. I like it. Um, they continue heading east because that is the direction where they feel like they need to go. Um, and basically, uh, Krotha and Balerian, not Balerian, uh, Pharanos are like, hey, are those two fucking? And right. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing? Is that what's happening? Is that, is it, was I imagining that? And, and Krotha's like, oh, no, they're fucking all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's happening. That's happening. <laughs> we better we better go like make ourselves scarce like right. Yeah. Now. So they do. They they go and they they get try to get some food while they're yeah. down there taking care of their business. Um and uh uh Faridos tries to feed Blarian and she's like, "No. Yeah. That's peasant food." That's right. That's here. right. And Blarian to his credit's like, "No, I'll I'll eat that. I've eaten that I'll, before. I like that. That's good." I'll, she's like, I'll eat no. it. It's I'll, beneath you. It's fine. And she's you know like, what, you know, what isn't beneath you to eat, though, Valerian? What I've got in my pants. Damn and, straight. And then it got and then the souls got very dark uh, <laughs> and wet. If you know what I mean. We went from dark souls to wet souls. Wet souls. Which is the which is the porn parody of dark souls. Moist souls. <laughs> Moist. <laughs> Damp souls. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. It was right there. It was right there. Where's my fucking thesaurus? God damn it. Damn souls. Um, Damn souls. Yeah. So and all this time they're like 
being real touchy with each other. Like yeah. she, she, had, it's like, she's putting her hand on him. He's putting her hand on her. It's a thing. They're, it's a thing. You know, it's dark. It's dark souls, baby. Forget about it. They're, yeah. They're, but people, there's only who would, they're literally like nearly the last people on earth at this point. Yeah. They, yeah. At this point. It, it, yeah. They may, they, we, they may not with have working circulatory before. with working, working circulatory systems. Right, I might. Right. <laughs> they, they might, they might know each other. They might not. It's just, it's just at this point, they're like, this might be our only chance. Uh, let's just enjoy this. Uh, yeah. So they, they get to a, um, they get to a town with a bunch of people who are pretty worn out and weathered and there's a big statue in the center of town yes. and um made out of solid the, gold yeah um it's made out of solid gold there's a there's a statue of a man named Celeric. he is king Celeric, and he is one of Balerion's brothers from mm. what we can tell one of the 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 children of the the original king yeah um and now we are in like the first of the three kingdoms i assume that got created from after like what i'm guessing is panier died it got passed to his three kids the three kids kind of split up the land in their own yeah. way and Celeric is the first one that they get to or the land his lands rather um, in it, it is a fucked up little town where these people are oh, like yeah. brainwashed, uh, to give everything that they make. And like, that's, that's the thing about the town is like, they're not hurting for anything. No, like, they produce so much food right. and they give it all away to the king because well, they yeah. love him so much. Yeah. Like the, the, the guy comes by, like the tax collector for all intents yes. and purposes comes by and they like bring out all the grain and all this, the, the, the leather work they've been doing all this shit. And, and he says, well, I'll, I'll be taking 60% of this and they're horrified. And at first you're like, Oh, cool. You know, they, 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 they yeah, he's taking that. too much. And they're like, right. no, take all of it. Take all and of he, it because we don't want the King to think that we don't love like, him. 100%. We don't deserve it. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the auditor is like, ah, I'm going to leave you with some, uh, because it's a law now we gotta, right. we gotta yeah. actually, <laughs> yeah, he literally says that he's like, he's like, yeah, I, I would actually, but, uh, it's against the law. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, basically, and nobody has names and you don't get a name unless you earn a name yeah. in this country. The town also doesn't have a name. It has a number and towns don't get names unless they earn it. So even the auditor, is that's just his title. The auditor right. does not have a name. And we find out that the people in that are allowed, the only people allowed in the capital are people with names because you have, if you have a name means you have status. Yes. And that because they introduced themselves as having names, everybody assumed that they were higher status than them. Like the auditor from the auditor on down, everybody's like, well, clearly these are, these are the main characters. Right. We're just NPCs. <laughs> and we're just NPCs. But remember, but guys, fantasy doesn't have metaphors. No. No. It does not have metaphors. None. Um, so they 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 figure out that the um you know this is um they need to get to the capital, they need to talk to the king. That at one point the capital's name was like the name of the capital has been changed since last time Crotha was alive. Mm -hmm. It was like 
uh, Jeresa and now it's Draxon or something like that. It was yeah. just like a subtle change in the spelling of it. Um, but yeah, um, they get hitch a ride with the auditor and the auditor's like, well, I'll take you in that direction, but I am not allowed in the Capitol because I do not have a name. And right. they're like, okay, well, let's get going. And that's pretty much the end of the first third of the book. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and that last chapter or two, that's actually, we'll get into this here, but that, that was actually the first bit of like lore that I thought was really intriguing and interesting. Like this whole city dedicated to this King in this way that, that we we're starting to get into some interesting stuff here. Yeah. Uh, but it's taken a minute. <laughs> it's taking quite a long time. So, yeah. so far, um, this book is kind of boring. Um, yeah. In terms yeah. of, in terms of what it is. I mean, the writing is fine. You know, it's mm-hmm. Michael Stackpole and he's oh, going to, yeah. he's going to write, write yourself a little, you know, some really good descriptions in there. But it doesn't feel like, here's what it feels like. Not Dark Souls. It feels like, here's what it feels, it feels like Michael Stackpole had a fantasy story already written and then grafted some Dark Souls elements onto it. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, there were, there there were a couple of moments that made me think a little bit of Shadowkeep in that kind of generic fantasy. The generic fantasy setting. And we're gathering, and here's the thing, and, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that always fascinated me about the Dark Souls world and what you saw in it was that it was a very lonely place. Very lonely. It was lonely. a very, very lonely place filled with hostels and the the friendlies, so to speak, were few and far between. And in the first and third most of, of the them book, were, were were nuts. Like right. they had lost their minds from right. being so alone, you know? So you felt like you're one of the only sane people in this world. And now so we've got four characters, none of which are really all that interesting. There's not a single one of the main characters is interesting. Maybe what's her name? Phila whatever. Um yeah. she she might have some some teeth to her, but otherwise I'm not I'm I'm not interested in any of the main characters. Yeah. Ferenos might have something interesting. I like maybe it'll come back around that he was never supposed to get out because for like a very specific reason, like he was the bad guy all along, whatever. Right, right. But I don't that that also that was like a single breadcrumb in the first chapter that really hasn't been touched back on in the yeah. in the 12 chapters. We haven't, since. we haven't revisited that. No. Um I think there is something to be said about, yeah, the it's not there's not enough loneliness in it. And there is one of the things that I like best. I'm a I'm a big Dark Souls 2 defender. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't like it. I, I love Dark Souls 2. I especially love the opening cinematic of Dark Souls 2. Um, whereas Dark Souls 1 and 3 are more about the world mm-hmm. and the state of the world and these powerful forces, these lords and all that that are fighting to bend what remains of this world to their whim. Dark Souls 2 opening cinematic is about your character yeah. and about how everything will fade. You're going to die over and over again. 
and everything you know, everything you love is going to fade. And it's like it has this like the this the guy, your your character is standing in a room with his wife and his child. And as they say this, like their faces start to like melt away into like this like ethereal like mist like the the idea the concept of that the undeath is the primary motivating factor in the dark souls games is that this undead it's a curse right and so far it's it doesn't feel like it's a curse it's a curse that because the more you die, the closer you become to losing everything, to becoming the hollow that has lost every bit of memory um, to, to touch, uh, to go back to your touch points in your life. They're all faded away. And that's the thing that's missing from this book is right. that it's, it's less about the fear of losing yourself. There, it, it isn't there. That fear of losing yourself is not, that's the stakes. Is, yeah. is is losing you die and you wake up as an undead and now instead of just the sweet embrace of death you might be punished with the with cruelly decaying over hundreds of years and losing every bit of memory of every person that you ever loved right that is the that is the and that is the the curse of the dark soul that is that is that is the the curse of the first sin. That's mm. that it's all this stuff and it's super heavy and it's just not here. Yeah, and here it's, it's, I didn't I didn't get any of that. Like here, Yeah, no, that's just, the thing. That feels like line, another fantasy. Race. And that's a through line that can carries you through the main three games. And I'm not saying you can't just tell another story set in the Dark Souls world. Which that's a lot of a lot of time as you're going through Dark Souls, you have a whole bunch of subplots that are not necessarily about kindling the flame or whatever you have in Dark Souls 2. You have a character who is traveled uh, from a faraway land and she is just there to try to find her brother before she forgets who her brother is. Wow. Okay. And it's like it is it is this really heavy story. Um, it's, it's one of the most beautiful stories in the Dark Souls trilogy. And that's the kind of stuff that is, that's the good stuff in Dark Souls. And you can really get away with a lot, with telling a story of, of, uh, introspection into who you are and why you are and your place in the grand scheme of things but then take it and make it super personal. You can you could do that. You can make this big cursed world into a very personal thing. And right now, what we're getting in the book, as you said, is for, you know, uh, a, a D&D party filled yeah. with some people who, you know, aren't that into role playing. <laughs> yeah. Human, they like, they elf, like dwarf, com- undead, like they like the just, combat, you know, they yeah. like the, the combat part of D&D. They don't really role play that much. They don't get into their characters. Um, right. So that's kind of the vibe I'm getting right now in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, again, I don't know a lot of, I, I've watched a few, uh, what was the, who's the YouTuber? Vati Vidya. Vati Vidya, who does a lot yeah. of the, the story summaries. I've, I've seen, I've seen some of those. I know how deep this stuff goes and, and, um, 
I think so far, it, it you know, if people are hoping that this is a novel that's going to be connecting elements of that already established mythology and that sort of thing, it's not feeling yet like that's what this book is. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, that's the thing is like, um, and, and as I was, as I might have said, you don't have to even get into the mythology, but you do have to get into the themes. Right. Of the, of the, of, and the themes are are very uh they're not here no they felt like they could have been in chapter one like chapter one got gets off to a really strong start with with him trying to remember what it is to be alive i was like oh this is the good shit yeah and then there's some really wonderful introspection in that first chapter it's really then it just starts kind of slowly meandering to like there's a lot of talk, like walking and talking. It's like, come on, this is an Aaron Sorkin's Dark Souls. That's exactly <laughs> what it feels like. And the other thing that I wanted more of was like, I was hoping more of the exploration aspect of it because it's right. such a huge series of worlds and all kinds of like, you know, different landscapes and and places and stuff. And and there's like that Indiana Jones vibe of like we're going sure. to this exotic locale and going to that one. And we do get some, you briefly talked about them going away and finding food for the humans and they find, uh, and they find some, he finds some grain and he's not sure if this is going to be edible, but he kind of describes it and takes it back um, to see if anyone can recognize it. And I was like, that was a moment I wrote a note. I was like, I'd like more of this, like more of building up. We get like, there are mountains over here and there's this over there, but it, I don't know. It didn't. It doesn't uh, thrill me on the same level that. Um, yeah. I feel like. Um, I almost feel like we need uh, Urban Weight to come in and punch up. Uh, punch uh, up some of this, like the landscape description. Yeah, like the. I mean, world. Michael Stackpole is is a very very good writer. He's written a lot of very great things, so. but uh, this is not, I don't know. It doesn't feel like his bailiwick necessarily. No, I, this I feel is, like actually this might be Stackpole out of his depths. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, which is kind of insane to say, cause uh, like I have a lot of respect for that man. He's a great writer. He's a very yeah. important writer, but you don't get the impression that he knows a whole lot about, uh, he doesn't necessarily, yeah, he, he might not be grasping the themes and, uh, as we've always found out in the past, that might be a function of the client, you know, yeah, that could be, yeah. you know, the, I forget, From Software is owned by a conglomerate, like a magazine conglomerate or something like that. Yeah. And it it might just be something like they yeah. wanted a book. They, yeah. they hired they something generic and easy for people to it's like, to, let's get, let's get one of the biggest fantasy writers, like English fantasy writers that we can get. That'll work for hire. Michael, they got Michael Stackpole and they're like, yep. here, you know, right. This, this is it. And that's like, that could easily be what happened. Absolutely. <laughs> From what we, what we found out with how these books kind of come to be sometimes that could easily be what happened where it was just a higher up from the, um, I think it's Katakawa uh, Corporation, mm-hmm. which is the one there. That's the company that owns from software um, okay. is like, yeah, uh, what property do we have that could be turned into uh, uh, some uh, a media tie in? 
Right. Oh, okay. That's yeah. guaranteed <laughs> to get us a little a little bit of cash, you know. And it's like, <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. No, I don't want you to go into deep, heavy literary themes here. I want you to make me a fantasy novel that make me know, a fantasy novel that's ca- can read. Make me a, a 300 page fantasy novel that's called Dark Souls. Pretty uh, much. <laughs> pretty much. And it's disappointing. But Lord, we you know, that, that, that is how this works. Most and of the we'll time. see We're we're obviously going to finish the book and we're going to yeah. carry we will tarry forth into into the uh and that's the other thing is like all the dark souls npcs that you meet are fucking weird mm-hmm. and have their own little quirks and it's like give me a just give me something and they laugh a lot they they do a lot of weird laughing uh it's a way uh less weird book than i expected it to it be. needed I to really be expected some that's weirdness. it that's really it is the book needed to crank its weirdness up yeah to yeah. 11 you know <laughs> It's a shame. I, I really was expecting a far more bizarre kind of journey than the one we're getting so far. But, you know, we've, we've seen things get turned around in the past. Uh, fingers crossed. It's Fingers it's like crossed that. it'll turn around. I mean, normally yeah. we get a lot of strong start week endings. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe this will be the reverse where it's a... As a, always, a, we'd love to be proven wrong. We would love to be proven wrong. Um, yes. So... Um, and and this has gotten more relevant. The voice I do for for this segment uh, oh, because yes, it uh, because it's gonna there's, we're just gonna be a remake. Even though they changed the guy's voice, uh, it's a it's a oh, different okay. voice actor. Uh, but Phil, uh, what are you playing? Oh well, I'm so glad you asked. I played two. I've uh, been playing two games in particular uh, in the past uh, couple of weeks. I recently beat uh, Strange Horticulture. Okay. Uh, really interesting little indie game, very witchy game, uh, kind of a strategy. Um, basically, you uh, inherit this, uh, uh, you know, horticulturalists kind of store, very, very witch store, and you're meeting all the people in the town and you've got plants that you can go all over the map to discover new plants and identify them based on descriptions. You've got a book that you have to actually flip through uh to read like uh sometimes you need to, you, people identify it by the latin name so you got to flip through find it in its latin name sometimes they'll they'll say what it's meant to do and you have to read up you know find the the plants that do this or cure that and then you have to label them it was, it's very <laughs> it's very labor intensive in a sure. fun kind of a way yeah it's really neat uh it took me about 6 hours or so uh to beat um, it's, it, 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 if, if you like those kinds of strategies, little puzzle kind of, um, logic puzzle sorts of games, uh, I highly recommend it. It was really interesting. Did, again, didn't take me very long and they're like eight or nine endings or something. So oh, wow. I'm probably going to come back to it at some point and try it again. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, on the other hand, I've also been playing Warhammer 40 K, uh, uh, what do you fucking call it? It's got like the longest of uh, chaos gate demon hunters. Okay. Uh, which is basically Warhammer XCOM. Um, mm. and I'd heard a lot of mixed reviews about it and I was flabbergasted because I was like, Jesus, it's like, I'm not a huge gray Knights fan, but, uh, it's Warhammer 40 K XCOM. How do you miss that? How do you drop the ball on that? And, and the short answer is, you don't make it very interesting. Uh, 
it's just it there isn't a ton of variety in it right and it doesn't it doesn't give you the level of variety and and shifts yeah. that XCOM gives you for example most sure. missions are basically the same the bad guys are basically the same um the the good guys are basically the same and it doesn't do a great job of explaining um certain customizable aspects of it and even when you do customize the shit out of it which you can do your guys all kind of look the same and it, sure. it 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 lacks a lot of the charm uh that uh Firaxis's XCOM and XCOM 2 has uh right. I, I've put about 9 or 10 hours into it and I'm sure I'm going to play it a little more but I think I've reached the point where it's just like okay I I know what this is doing and it's 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 a shame. I would love to see some DLC where they kind of tighten it up and and give us a little more something more uh, more to chew on. Right. I would like that because it's not a cheap game for an indie game. It's like forty five bucks. Oh Jesus. Yeah. It's it, it, and and I it it I got it because I you know me I'm I'm, I'm going to play every forty k game. It's there is. a forty k game and right. What what you was I to. supposed to do? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I cannot in good faith recommend it uh, based on that price. Sure. Like if you can get it for like 20 bucks or something like that, then yeah, I, I'd say it's worth it's worth a whirl just right. to see if it's because I've read some people say they really loved it. Uh, yeah. But at 45 bucks, that's eh, it's a little much. It's a little. Yeah. Much. So what are you playing, Kevin? Oh boy. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I've, I have been playing a, a whole mess of, of mid-tier first-person shooters, but we're yes, not going to get in, we're not going to get into those on this podcast. You'll have to listen to those on bullet time, but, uh, something that wasn't mid-tier that I finished recently, uh, was Titanfall two. Uh, I had, Oh, I liked that game. The, the campaign for Titanfall two, uh, so good, such a, such a, such a good game. Uh, yeah. it'll make you, uh, it'll make you cry by the end. Um, there's there will be tears. Um, uh, what else? Um, I I started trying to play Pathologic Two. Um, oh, okay, wow. All right, I put about four hours into that bad boy. Um, <laughs> God, that's a tough game to yeah. do. It's a to just play. Um, it's 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 tough on so once you get into the groove of it you're like all right well it's it's just a first person uh it has like some survival aspects to it where you gotta you gotta eat you gotta drink you gotta keep your health up and all that right. stuff uh and you just do missions for people um but it's caked in this very thick layer of um uh folklore that is feels almost impenetrable because you're coming into it and there's no there's no like touchstone for the folklore in pathologic 2 it's just like it's just there and it's dense uh, right. jonesy are you gonna knock something over back there you look he is he is just he is on the thinnest <laughs> of ice jonesy he, he's just like i'm gonna climb on these stacks and i yeah. think they're gonna hold me it's probably going to work out or he's going to die under 40 tons of RPG books. Yeah. Those are all hardcover, you idiot. They will kill you. <laughs> Come Whatever. on, cat. Um, <laughs> he's his father's son. He is his father's <laughs> son. Uh, so, yeah, Pathologic 2. I've been playing a, l- a little bit of that. Uh, I beat uh, Faith. Oh, the, yes. Uh, Tell me about the, that. 
the Unholy Trilogy. Yeah. Uh, so I played beginning to end. I I, re, I played chapter one, chapter two, and then went into chapter three. Um, really good. I mean, as a single experience, it'll take you about like six hours or so to get through all three chapters. Right. Um, and that's just me like kind of going through and rolling credits on each. I didn't I didn't do wasn't super completionist about getting all the notes or all the endings or what have you. Um, and in Faith Chapter three, I found out I missed like there's a whole it's like the game is actually probably twice the length that I thought it was because there's a whole bunch of stuff, more stuff in each location that you go to that oh, you can wow. do that I didn't even realize necessarily. Um, so. But yeah, it's it's good time. And I, I really enjoyed um, I, I really enjoyed how it wraps up because um, nice. I think it's supposed to be the last of the the faith games. Yeah, um, he's got to be moving on to new projects at this. Point. Yeah, I think he wants to he probably wants to just be wrapped up on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's pretty much uh, what what I've been playing. And oh, uh, and, then, and then I just decided to install Red Dead Redemption 2 on my Steam Deck. I saw that. How does that play on the Steam Deck? Beautifully. Oh, Smooth as wow. butter. That's <laughs> freaking wild. And it, and it feels good to play and everything, feels too? good to play, too. What? So I can just sit there in my bed and, and just, you know, I can, I can walk around in the, the, the great wilderness of, of the Grizzly Mountains. Um, <laughs> oh, that game is so stupidly beautiful. Like, it is. A, it is. A, you know what? If they did a Red Dead Redemption 2 or first one novelization, Urban Weight. Oh, without question. <laughs> without question. Oh, yeah. He'd be the guy. He'd be a, re- I mean, yeah. After, yeah, after, after the Far Cry oh, Absolution. I just oh, yeah, like, I, I can, I can like feel it. I can feel his descriptions of like the landscape already. Yeah. It's yeah. Like wrapping around me. It. Wrapping around me like a warm blanket. It would have to be like 1,200 pages long, but <laughs> God damn, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. John Marston walked out of the small house, looking <laughs> oh out over God. the plains as tumbleweeds blew down from the northern mountains. <laughs> it would be so good. I'd read that thing. Oh, my God, that'd be great. Um. But yeah, that's it. And uh, that'll do it for, for tonight's episode. Hell yeah. uh, if you uh, want to follow us on social media, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. G- yeah. Given its new owner. But yeah, uh, follow us on social media at uh, PixletPod on both Twitter and Instagram. And go to our website, PixletPod.com, where we post every episode with a transcript of the episode. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, if you can do us a solid, rate us five stars on the podcast platform that you listen to us on. That'll be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or even Good Pods. Uh, it would do a world of good for our uh, ratings on those websites. So uh, that'll do it for tonight's episode. Have a good evening, everyone. Bye. Say bye, Jonesy. Meow. Little bastard. Thank you.